Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast, the podcast that brings you great healthcare analysis and discussion each week. I'm Matthew Handley from flatlining.net, and this week we're bringing you another Flatlining Podcast short. Today we're talking about Medicare at 50. This is a program Ron did last year when Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan proposed this idea in front of Congress. And we're bringing it up again because it's something that might actually come up in the 2022 midterms and in the 2024 presidential election. If proposed legislation allowing Americans to buy a Medicare policy at age 50 instead of 65 passes, who benefits? Is this a good idea? Should we be embracing it immediately? Or is there a flip side to this coin that we haven't fully investigated? Ron's going to discuss what moving the Medicare-eligible age to 50 could mean for patients, employers, insurance companies, and healthcare providers. In February of this year, Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan introduced Senate Bill 470, the Medicare at 50 Act, into the Senate. This bill would allow individuals and presumably employers to purchase Medicare insurance at age 50, not 65. Since the bill's introduction, it's garnered the support of 18 other senators as co-sponsors. Senator Stabenow calls the bill a win-win for Michigan families. She goes on to say that it will help strengthen Medicare, lower cost, and improve care for millions of people. Now, proponents of the bill suggest that buying Medicare coverage instead of employer-based or marketplace insurance would be less expensive, largely because what Medicare pays for services is less, on average, than when insurance companies pay for the same service. They also tout Medicare's administrative efficiency and the elimination of private insurance company profit margins as other ways that this bill will reduce costs. Another benefit of the bill is the impact it would have on people who are not yet 65 but would like to retire. These people, theoretically, would be able to buy an affordable Medicare policy, which may allow them to retire early and still have health insurance. This will help with unemployment by opening up jobs for younger Americans. Businesses, both large and small, would benefit from lower cost health insurance options for their older employees. Even the insurance companies would win under this new bill. They would get rid of some of their most costly and risky covered individuals, which should lower the cost of their product for everyone else. Further, most of the same insurance companies offer Medicare Advantage products that they could sell to these individuals, Those products are very profitable for the insurance companies. So what's not to love? If this bill does all of that, why don't we pass it right away? Well, like all things in life, the devil's in the details. While it may be that Medicare at 50 will prove to be a win for individuals, employers, and insurance companies, it most certainly will not be a good thing for doctors and hospitals. You see, one man's expense is another man's revenue. A CMS actuarial study showed that on average, private insurance pays hospitals 40% more than Medicare for the same service and 30% more to physicians than Medicare for the same service. This means that for every patient that converts from a private insurance plan to a Medicare plan, the hospital takes a 40% pay reduction and the doctors take a 30% pay reduction. For some specialties like pediatrics and obstetrics, there'd be almost no impact due to the populations they serve. However, for many specialties that treat predominantly older patients, the impact could be devastating. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, why is there such a disparity between what Medicare pays and what private insurance pays? The simple answer is that our legislators, 
for decades now, have decided to underfund Medicare by holding payment rates constant rather than keeping up with inflation. This has turned private insurance into what we would call an indirect tax. Consider this for a minute. Medicare pays physician services based on a rate per RVU. The rate is known as the conversion factor. Think of it as something similar to an employee's hourly wage. If you make $15 an hour and you work a 10-hour shift, you earn $150. For Medicare, it's units of work, not, not hours worked. So it's the number of RVUs, not the number of hours. In 1998, the Medicare conversion factor was $36.68 per unit. So if a service like an office visit was valued at two units, your doctor would get paid $72.74. All right, fast forward 22 years. And in 2020, the Medicare conversion factor is now $36.09. That's right, it's actually gone down in 22 years. So that same office visit, your doctor got paid $72.74 in 1998. He or she would only get $72.18 today. Over that same period of time, that same 22 years, general inflation has gone up 58%. So if Medicare had done nothing more than just keeping up with general inflation, that office visit should be paid today at a rate of $115.92. Now, lately, there's been a great deal of debate on the federal minimum wage not keeping up with inflation. Since 1998, the federal minimum wage has gone up by 41%. While that has not quite kept up with the 58% increase in overall inflation, it is certainly better than the 1.6% reduction that physicians have faced from Medicare. With the cost of running a medical practice going up every year, how have doctors been able to stay in business? Well, one of the main ways was demanding higher reimbursement from commercial insurance companies, who in turn just pass those costs on to you and your employer. Thus, the indirect tax I mentioned earlier. Now this approach has worked for the last 20 or so years, but it's in jeopardy if Medicare at 50 is passed. That's because large number of patients may suddenly switch from private insurance to Medicare coverage. The resulting loss in revenue could be devastating to physicians and hospitals. How are doctors going to respond to this chain? Well, some of them may demand even higher reimbursement from commercial payers, driving up the cost of insurance even further. Others may stop seeing Medicare patients altogether. Others may consider this to be the last straw and retire early. Almost half of all practicing physicians are over the age of 55. Can you imagine the physician shortage that it would cause if even half of those physicians over the age of 55 suddenly retired early? Imagine what the next pandemic will be like if we've lost 25% of the physicians who care for all of us. Now, at this point, some people are probably thinking, well, doctors are all rich. They can afford to take a little pay cut. Come on now. Well, while I disagree with those people, I'm also sure they have no idea just how much of a pay cut this could be. Let's take a look at one medical group. Now, this is a client, so I have access to their data, and I know how much their doctors make. This client is a specialty group, and their doctors make around $400,000 a year. If this bill gets passed, and only 50% of their patients who are between the ages of 50 and 64 
buy a Medicare product, the doctors in that group will each take a pay cut of $250,000 a year. That's a 62% reduction in their income. Now, if 80% of their patients over age 50 buy a Medicare product, guess what? Those doctors get to work for free. That's right, zero salary. How many practices, how many physicians do you think are going to be able to get their doctors to work for free? The point to all of this is twofold. First of all, the solutions to our healthcare problems in this country are not easy. There is no magic bullet. Secondly, just like drug side effects, policymakers need to be careful that they consider the harmful side effects of their decisions. In some cases, the side effects can be worse than the condition they are trying to cure. Having a Medicare insurance card doesn't help a whole lot if there aren't any doctors there to accept it. Think about that for a minute. The Flatlining Podcast is a production of Fulcrum Strategies and Flatlining.net. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more information, go to Flatlining.net and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also comment, share, and give us five stars so that more people can find the Flatlining Podcast. For Ron Howergan, I'm Matthew Handley. Have a great week.